You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. Monday, 4 March, Aspen results due 1 o'clock today. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb offices in Houghton, Johannesburg. On the show today, Nick Kunze. I want to get his thoughts on that MTN update. And then first-round results compared to the valuations of the other banks. I don't know. It looked maybe a little light. We'll get his view on that. We hear Jakud, he from Old Mutual Investment Group. Uh, tech and healthcare stocks, he is overweight. And Deborah Slabber from Morningstar, managing returns. And is volatility really a measure of risk? The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines for MoneyWeb. SA publishers turn hostile in their fight against Google. Comcom Inquiry becomes the new beachhead after tech giant refuses to disclose how much it earns from SA news content. Business Day, reform momentum is gathering steam. Transit op- appointments, uh, Sasso TFR partnership, steadier operations at Durban Port offer some hope. Morning markets, US was green on Friday. NASDAQ up 0.8%, NASDAQ, S&P up 0.8%, NASDAQ up 1.4%. The East is mixed. We've got Sydney off a third of a percent, Tokyo up 0.8%, Hong Kong down a tenth of a percent, and Tencent up a third of a percent. Commodities green, gold, 2,090, closed at an all-time closing high on Friday. Brent, 83.65, platinum, 889, palladium, 964, rand is 19.09, bitcoin, 63,600. And top 40 opening call, green open, 333 points or half a percent higher. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Tony now with Nick Kunza, Sunlam Private Wealth. Nick, appreciate the early morning. Let's touch on that MTN uh, uh, numbers first, the update. Uh, mostly this is the Nigerian Naira, and I've been chatting with uh, Matete Tulari from RMB around the, 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 the collapse in that currency for a while. Uh, th- this hurts because it's their biggest market, but is it more than just the, 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 the Naira? Yeah, morning, Simon. Uh, no, I don't think it is more than 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 Niara. I mean, the, the MTN itself is as anyone anyone who follows the stock closely. I mean, that uh, Niara having lost more than ninety uh, percent of its value, and and to your point, uh, you know, almost half of MTN's profit at one point a year or so ago. So uh, it is clearly being severely affected by the Niara. And in fact, you drill a little bit deeper, Simon. If you actually look at the um, uh, total subscribers in Nigeria, it was actually up 5%. Mm. Um, and service revenue is up, I think, 20, 22-odd%, as well as they, they've got that active, um, that money wallet business as well. I mean, that was up sort of, sort of over 100, 150%. So business itself in Nigeria doing okay. But, of course, the question we've always had when we uh, look at South African companies, we've all uh, we've all probably got the scars. It's quite difficult <laughs> to get that money out at some point. Uh, Nigeria always seems to pop up and uh, always get questions from clients like, wow, we're investing in Nigeria. But um, if you look at these subscriber numbers and that, you know, it's still growing quite decently. Yeah, I, I take your point. And it is the challenge then is getting the money out. The business is certainly looking quite good. The first trend results which came out, which I thought were kind of okay. I mean, nothing, you know, not shooting the lights out, not a horror. But when I look at the valuations, just a simple price to book. So the Standard Bank, Nedbank, uh, uh, ABSA, all around one times book. Uh, Capitec, the outlier at six. And then first trend at two times book. And i got to say, I thought mm. they were maybe a little light for that sort of valuation. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, financial uh, service companies, especially the banks uh, in countries, tend to be uh, 
they're almost like leading indicators. So, I mean, you know, they sort of uh, lead markets up, lead markets down for mm. all the reasons we know with lending and all the rest in the economy. Difficult to uh, difficult to see how they get extra growth out of, you know, basically uh, a South African economy that's anemic to say the least, you know, uh, and that is your problem. And, and to your point, uh, you know, price to books of almost two, uh, PEs of, you know, it's not as rich as it was, yeah. but close to nine forward PE, you know, it's not cheap. And then if you add in the dividend yields, you know, 6% uh, dividend yield, you're all giving money back to shareholders. But in a, in a you know, in a country, in a world where you're getting uh, 8.5%, 9% uh, or close to 10 on a 10-year note in, in South Africa. So it's, yeah, I, I would say the valuations are, you know, they're okay. I think you summed it up nicely. They're okay. That's about it. <laughs> They're okay. and could do better. Mm. Quick last question I mentioned. So mm. Friday, gold had its highest close ever. It's been higher, but this was a, a London close. It was the highest London close ever. Your preferred gold stock? I think it would have to be, uh, have to be Anglo Gold. I just yeah. think it's one of the better run run businesses. And, uh, you know, it goes to – I'm not a gold bug, but yeah. uh, in any single business, I like best of breed. And, and uh, I think Anglo Gold is definitely the better run out of the whole lot of them. Yeah, well, if you have to go offshore, Simon, sorry, Doug, yeah. if you have to go offshore, maybe Barracks is worth a look as well and you want. Yeah, no, but I take your point. By, by, by best of breed, Anglo Gold, uh, Shanti, been trading sort of between 3 and 360, but that could pop higher this morning. We'll see how that goes. Nick Kunza Sanlam, Private Wealth, always appreciate the early morning. There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come. And you know what? It can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. I'm chatting with me here, Jack Hood. He is manager of Global Islamic Equity Offering at the Old Mutual Investment Group. Mihir, appreciate the time today. Before we start drilling into some of the offshore sectors you like, what this year, all the talk is, rates are coming down and all the debate is, will it be March, May, June? As a long-term investor, truthfully, the, the, the nuances of exactly when the rate cuts start is largely irrelevant. Yes, absolutely. It's good that you mentioned quality companies because that's uh, the core of our philosophy. I think, to be honest, there is a very mixed bag in terms of market commentators out there. There's still a lot of talk about a soft landing. There's some Mm. talk about no landing. But I think (laughs) it really, really boils down to the labor because usually what happens with the U.S. labor, um, rates come down when you see some serious unemployment numbers. But because the labor is so strong, I think there's definitely, that's the big holdback. And there's a silver lining through all of this is that the Fed keeps saying that they'll wait on the data to Mm. make the decision. And I think that's important because if we think about job growth, essentially that comes with wage growth. And what follows from wage growth is consumption, Mm -hmm. which really accounts for 70% of the US economy. And what follows from consumption? inflation. So this is a tricky time. I think in our mind, the way we see it is we want to build a robust portfolios because that is a crystal ball question. So what we can do is we believe in our philosophy. We stick to our guns, quality at the core, where valuations have to be right and businesses um, have to have the ability to grow. And that's what we'll stick with. 
Uh, take a point on that. And uh, looking forward, I mean, a strong 2023, particularly healthcare and big tech, you're still selectively, and that's the important point, uh, liking parts of it. I mean, healthcare really has been revolutionized. AI, telemedicine, wearables. But two you're liking is Nova Nordisk and uh, Ellie Lilly, which are, I mean, they've got the, the diabetes and obesity medication, which is huge in terms of innovation in the, in, in the healthcare space. I think that's important. I think the sector is going to be revolutionized by AI. Biotech specifically was on a hectic ramp up in the time of COVID and then it fell off. But that opened certain sectors or certain businesses where imaging became very important. You know, it was like a very low touch with the patient. So like Mm. telemedicine, I think that's really important. I mean, you mentioned Nova Nordisk and Eli Lilly. um, And I want to take this back to our investment process looking for quality companies. And as a systematic process, we don't see management. So then what stands out mm. from a company like a Nova Nordisk or Eli Lilly? Why is that in our portfolio? Well, one is because we can measure on how good management is and how good the company is with data and with metrics. And to give you a simple example, if you're not seeing company management, and you look at the return on invested capital. Well, the return on invested capital metric is telling you what management has done in terms of what that percentage is. So how good are they at capital allocation? That's the first thing. The other thing is, if that number is stable, it really tells you that they've got some sort of competitive advantage within the industry that they operate. And that's been exceptionally stable in the terms of diabetes medication. So... Between the two, they control diabetes and obesity around the world. They've got fantastic uh, weight loss drugs, which have proven to also decrease heart disease. So again, back to healthcare and where we are positioned and why we are positioned that way is very important. Another sector you're liking is, is Tech Magnificent 7. They've had a, a stunning run. In particular, Meta and Alphabet, your preferred... Yes, and again, you know, Simon, the, the same principle would apply in Magnificent Seven. So here we have to look at this relative, but also we have to look at what is approved in our universe and what isn't. So Amazon is not approved because the board can't dissect uh, the non-permissible sales from the permissible sales. Mm-hmm. So that's out of our universe. But in relative terms, yes, absolutely. Our model from a quality growth and value point of view is preferring Google or, or Alphabet as well as Meta. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't actually have the rest of them. We are just overweight relative to our benchmark. Sometimes when NVIDIA runs, while it's approved, and nobody can put a a PE on NVIDIA yet, but it's had fantastic momentum and fantastic growth. It's not that we don't hold NVIDIA. It's just that we'd like to see things normalized before we go overweight. So we do have a holding. Um, We also have a holding in Apple. Uh, the mm-hmm. benchmark holding in Apple is about 7%. We've got um, about 4.5%. Now, 45 in absolute terms is still a big weight in Apple. It's just underweight relative to the benchmark. But relative to each other, we believe that, at least on our model, that Meta and Alphabet score better. I take a point on that. And a quick last question. I mean, you're running Sharia-compliant portfolios, and a lot of folks will say, well, I don't need Sharia-compliant. But uh, data coming out suggests that actually a significant number of investors are, are not necessarily Muslim. They're there for the returns. They're there for the, the mandate. They're there for, truthfully, the methodology. Yes, absolutely. So two things at a starting point. The first thing is that your universe that you start off with, right? Mm-hmm. So... 
to get to that universe, there are two tests, qualitative and a quantitative. Qualitative, I think everybody understands. Your sin stocks are all out. On the quantitative side, there are certain ratios that govern us. Um, that's a mathematical calculation of the annual financial statements. And there's a ratio in there uh, which doesn't allow you to invest in businesses that have excessive debt. Now, what that leaves you with as a portfolio manager from a starting point is that you're already set up with a quality universe, right? And I think, secondly, yes, absolutely, there's a large customer base or investor base within our AUM, especially in our retail book, that is the numbers roughly north of 20%. And those individuals, I have to ask myself, why are those individuals in our fund? So the reality is, is that people actually are focused on ESG. And while we have ESG funds mm. in our business, they, they're relatively new. So the responsible investment choice they would use the Sharia-compliant funds. And then lastly, the important thing is that if you are excluding certain sectors like financials and everybody else is chasing the same thing on the conventional side, you can get a smoother return path by adding a Sharia-compliant fund to your basket of funds, to your investments, to actually, I would say, level that out. Because on the one end, if financials aren't doing well, you'd expect Sharia-compliant funds to do well. But because they've been excluded in Sharia-compliant funds. So what I'm trying to get at is there's a different performance signature that a Sharia-compliant fund brings, which you can add to a conventional basket to give you a better diversified outcome. Gotcha. Now that makes perfect sense. We'll leave it there. We'll hear your uh, Manager of the Global Islamic Equity Offering at Old Mutual Investment Group, appreciate the time today. And our poll today is around uh, his view on those tech giants, Magnificent Seven. Let's be clear, he didn't say all seven of them, but certainly some of them he's overweight, some he is weight on. What's your take? Are you bullish on those tech giants? Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. When you stay invested over time in Stanlib's Global Multi-Strategy Diversified Growth Fund, your money's in for some smooth sailing. With our global partners, J.P. Morgan Asset Management at the helm, your money can withstand the pressure and bad weather day-to-day -day market conditions cause. All aboard? Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on The Money. I'm chatting with Deborah Slabber, Portfolio Specialist Director at Morningstar South Africa. Deborah, great to have you on the show again. Some key lessons that we've seen from the market over the last year or so. And if we go back to, I suppose, we, I want to say the horror of 2022. It was a bear market. For many, it was the first bear market since, I suppose, well, the pandemic and prior to that, the 08, 09. But at the beginning of 23, that was sort of fooled with doom and dread and ideas around hard landings and recession. And the key lesson from that is that predicting the market is, I want to say hard, but frankly, maybe it's actually impossible. Absolutely, Simon. Thank you so much for having me. And you hit the nail on the head there that short term predictions, they're actually they're incredibly difficult, even for professionals. Mm -hmm. And it is highly, highly unlikely that you're consistently going to get them right. And on top of that, it actually, in the bigger scheme of things, adds very little value to investing at the end of the day. I'll give you an example. Going into 2023, I think everyone was on very high alert for this recession, as you called it, whether it was a hard landing or a soft landing. Mm. Everyone was on high alert for that. In fact, 85% of economists actually predict that we are going into some sort of recession. 
And the interesting prediction for me is that that the one that came from Wall Street, Wall Street strategists predicted the first down year in markets since the 2000s. Now, if you were an investor and you listened to those predictions, you would have probably gone and sat in cash. Mm. And the reality is now looking back at 2023, you missed out on about, let's call it 10% in dollar terms additional return by just having a normal global balanced portfolio versus going and hiding in in dollar cash. So it does really add very little value. I, I take your point on little value. And, and there's also the thing which, which I learned the hard way. Making a prediction is very, very hard. Then making the prediction about what will result from that prediction. is Now you've got to make two predictions, essentially, and risks of being wrong on both. And I've done that. I've made the prediction, been wrong, and what I expected also didn't plan out. Exactly. And I think a lot of investors make the big mistake this year, and especially being a year where there's a lot of uncertainty around politics, election years around the mm. world, and trying to make predictions on who's going to be president, who's going to be the ruling yeah. party, <laughs> and then trying to make a prediction in terms of how the market is going to react based on that. I mean, that's a fool's game at the end of the day. It absolutely is. You also, in a recent note you put out, talked around how returns happen. We look at, you gave data from 1936 to uh, end of last year, S&P's done 10.65%. And if we if we drew that as a nice straight line, it would be a little bit of gain every single day over the, the almost century of return. Of course, that's not how markets operate. They, they sort of, the returns, I don't know, they kind of gather together. And if you miss a couple of important points, if you'd gone to cash last year and then thought to come back in, you miss a month or two, a day or three, your return can be vastly, vastly uh, inferior. Absolutely. And I think that's another, it's a key lesson from 2023 that these returns are sometimes few and far in between. Mm. It's like waiting and waiting for this punchline at the end of the day. And unfortunately, yeah. sometimes we have to wait quite a long time. And 2023 was no different. I mean, you spoke about the data that I put out on the S&P 500. I mean, mm. 88 years of data, you had a fantastic annualized return in dollar terms. But if you removed just the top 8% of those months that the returns were actually generated in, your return goes to absolutely zero. Oh, so wow. it just shows you that 8% of the time, 100% of return is actually derived. In 2023, if you were not invested in November and December, your return was very mediocre. Yeah, of course, because we had that giant rally at the end of the year. And, and, and changing a bit, if we look at, you know, people look at markets and they think it's about managing risk. And yes, it is, although to the illustration you've just given, I can manage risk by time in the market and, and not fiddling too much. Volatility is often considered to be an indicator of risk. You're saying, hang on a second, that isn't necessarily the case. I think that's the biggest mistake that investors make is to think about volatility as the same dimension as risk. Yes, quantitatively, it is an indication of how volatile an investment is. Mm. But if you think about it rationally, when volatility goes up, it normally go, it coincides with periods where the market falls. Mm. And actually, when an asset price becomes lower and that price falls, that's when the risk becomes less, not more. And volatility tells you exactly the opposite. So risk and volatility is actually very counterintuitive. And if you think about the market today, volatility is actually very, very low. 
Um, Does that mean that there's no risk out there at the moment? Absolutely not. There's a sense of complacency in the market that at Morningstar we would be a bit more cautious about than just paying attention to volatility, which is the traditional risk measure. Yeah, and before we started the interview, you made the point that investing should be boring. And, and if you put this together, yeah, it is fun. We can watch numbers all day and we can buy the right stock and, and see it shoot the lights out, the wrong stock and collapse, of course. We need to take that, that long-term approach and, and almost construct a boring process where we kind of just let it do the hard lifting over time. Absolutely, um, Simon. I think if you, an investor, if you in the appropriate mandate, if you're honest with yourself in terms of your risk tolerance, if your asset allocation is more or less correct and you play this long-term boring game and then you don't pay a lot of attention to the interim noise, you are going to be much better off than an investor that's trying to time the market the whole time. Yeah, and trying to make all those decisions. We leave it there. Deborah Slabber, uh, Portfolio Specialist Director, Morningstar South Africa. Appreciate the time as always. That's it for today. We were chatting with Mateta Talari on uh, Friday about those implants numbers. We asked if we thought we had perhaps seen the bottom of the PGM cycle. It was equally split between uh, a third of you saying, yep, this seems like a bottom, another third saying it's going to get worse, and the last third saying, you know what, I don't know, just don't like what I'm seeing, and I am staying away. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning, the Money Web website's in the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nubuchle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is Money Web Now. We'll chat again tomorrow, Nikkei 225, Structured Products. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.